0: Thanks for tuning in to the Beer Mighty Things podcast, your place for education and happenings for all things craft beverage. I'm your host, Kyle Reiner. I hope you obtain some value from our show because, as you know, far better it is to beer mighty things. Cheers. Welcome in to the Beer Muddy Things podcast. It's what you listen to while you brew. Today, we have what may be, I think, our first repeat guest. Uh, welcome in, Mr. Matt Anderson, attorney at Norris McLaughlin and Murphy, uh, and an important firm, obviously, in the craft beverage uh, space in the mid Atlantic. So, welcome in, Matt. How are you?
1: I'm good. I'm good. Thank you for having me and, and making me the only repeat guest ever so far. So that's good. I guess the, contents, <laughs> the content we bring to the table. Is yeah, cool. you're, the um, only one, you're the only yeah. one I've asked back. I'm just, oh, I'm sure there'll be more. I'm sure there'll be more. Uh, girl, no, happy me. to be
0: here. Thanks for bringing me on. Awesome, man. So last time we spoke, you know, we talked, it was episode six in April. Uh, we talked about, you know, contractual situations as COVID hit, right? And force majeure and leases and tenants and just dist- seems like forever ago. I know and uh distributors all that stuff. So today we're going to kind of go back to basics a little bit and discuss the process of really just, you know, starting a craft beverage company, right? You're a brewer, uh you're home brewing or you're you're making spirits at home <laughs> illegally, uh moonshining, but um you know you're like, "Hey, I want to make this professional. What do I do?" So you know, again back to basics and today we'll we'll talk a little bit about the steps to take, um common mistakes and maybe answer a few common questions and address any challenges. So, uh, with that, you know, Mr. Matt, right. Opening a brewery, distillery that, that requires preparation and knowing state and federal laws and executing things in the right order. So help me out with this order, Matt, what we got going on, man. How do we do it?
1: Yeah. I mean, first and foremost, call me, you know, that's always first. Um, yeah. Other than that, no, uh, you know, the best part to start best way to start with anything is, um, you know, not even from a legal perspective, but just setting up a solid business plan, um, you know, figuring out what you want to do, getting your goals in line, um, you know, financial metrics and goals and all that stuff. You need that for various steps of the process. Um, but, you know, from a legal licensing perspective, you know, we always start with forming whatever the company is. Uh, you know, we help people pick select the proper entity, whether it's corporation, LLC, um, partnership, you know setting stuff up the right way whether they have other businesses whether they own the real yep. estate all stuff like that um and from there uh it's the search usually starts unless they have a property uh, already we get working on the real estate side of it which um you know whether you find a lease or buy a property or own a property there's always zoning contingencies and issues right. with land use and parking spaces and all the good stuff that comes with that so you know we always we always advise people to start there in case they literally can't do something because of their, you know, township zoning rules. Um, you don't want to get halfway down the road and be told that you actually can't even do this here with no recourse. So uh, we've seen it happen. It does happen enough. Um, some townships like breweries, some absolutely do not. So it's, it's something to always be, be aware of and it happens a lot. Um, but, so we start there We go from that to, um, and if we feel comfortable with a, with the municipality, we will move forward uh, with the licensing aspect of it and the rest of the process. But um, you know, we'll move forward with either negotiating lease, buying the property, whatever it might be, um, and then we start the application processes with the state and federal government, whether it's you know, Pennsylvania, New Jersey, uh, whatever state it might be, um, to get their state licensing and then federal permitting through the uh, TTB, the Alcohol, Tobacco, Tax, and Trade Bureau um, to operate a brewery.
0: Matt, can I, um, can I back you up one step yeah. there though? So, you know, when we find a property and we're about to sign a lease, and I don't know if this is, you know, all the United States or if this is a Pennsylvania thing, but isn't there some sort of issue if say like the owner of the building owns a restaurant?
1: Um, it is various. There's various states that have rules like that. Pennsylvania, kind of change theirs a little bit. They don't really enforce it as strictly anymore.
0: That's fairly recent then, right? In the last year or two?
1: Yeah, it, it was not that long ago. They It was tying a lot of people up, uh, including big, you know, big entities in the state that have a lot of power. And what was that again?
0: So if the landlord owned a restaurant, he could not have a brewery tenant somewhere yeah, else
1: so yeah and it's happened in a bunch of places and re- involved all sorts of issues for very large and well-respected pennsylvania businesses um so the legislator went in and changed it to you know permit the owner the ownership of real estate and leasing to a brewery or manufacturer wasn't a violation of the three-tier um you know tight house restrictions of you know that you can't lease equipment or property to a manufacturer if you're a retailer and vice versa and same thing with wholesale distributors um, but yeah, it was without, without the, you know, as was a rule forever. So without the, you know, really big institution getting, and it almost was like a, I want to say the LCB kind of made an argument about something for no reason that kind of caused it in a way, because yeah. I'm sure it was, it was obviously approved at some point right. and it was an after the fact issue. Um, you know, almost led to a very well-known brewery, not having a license and a very well-known other business in the state also having issues with their licensing. So it's, yeah. it's, a, you know, it's, uh, something Do other that,
0: states have that rule does that, yeah, still some states that have
1: it um you know uh, usually it's all based in the notion of you know you can't lease you can't have a interest or you know security interest or a loan interest or you know mortgage or lend money to a licensee of another class whether it's manufacturing wholesale or retail okay um, so every state's got those rules or some capacity you know you can't have cross ownership in those classes you can't have you know interest in those classes and yeah, people do use real estate as a way to get ownership in places they can't have it just from various you know or get money out of it at least sure um so that was the original
0: yeah and that sucks it's like all right i'm a brewery i'm going through the paperwork i signed a lease and then the state or the you know ttb comes back and says "Eh, you can't because this property is owned by a retailer so
1: it's all it's all this it's all the states the lc the ttb doesn't even get into retailers i don't think they have any jurisdiction over them yeah. Uh, they have jurisdiction over manufacturers and wholesale importers. So they, you know, they kind of um, they use retailers during their investigations, but they don't really have any juris. They can't really force them to say or do anything in a way. So it's kind of okay. that's a statewide state by state issue. And, um, you know, also why it's important to talk with somebody that knows the rules in the beginning. So we're yep. setting up the right way. But that issue, you know, is not as big what we deal with on a pretty consistent basis in that area is the, you know, um, whether a, a restaurant licensee can lend money to a brewery or vice versa, or, you know, how is it something being paid for, you know, maybe one family member owns this business and another one owns another business. Um, but they are, uh, they're they're um, Have some inter ownership or something like that, where money has been shared. And now, now we have issues with who's funded it and who's, you know, you know, lending on it. So it's a little more to deal with. Okay.
0: All right, cool. Yeah, so those are just some some hiccups right off the bat that can drive people a little crazy. So that's why it's important to work with somebody good and important to work with somebody who knows the different rules of the different states. All right, cool. Uh, sorry to derail you there, but I thought that was important.
1: Um, no, it's good. it's good. I mean, that's part of the planning process. So it's all, yeah. you know, we, we get involved. We get people that call us in the middle of their investigation of this process because they need help with something and we get involved way in early idea process before people even have an idea where they want to be located or have a property to be located at and, you know, work their way through it. So we, we really, um, you know, kind of end up all over the place, but we prefer to be in the planning process and, you know, so it's not, there's no issues in the future because it's common if we aren't.
0: And we'll walk through some of this, but you know, what I have found um, is that a lot of folks try to do say the, you know, the brewers notice TTB brewers notice, you know, on their own and, You know, it can be done and I've seen people do it successfully, but a lot of times folks will go and do this and they will do it with an attorney who doesn't specialize. And then, you know, because it was less costly. So they go through that, maybe they spend two grand. It comes back months later, whatever, everything's held up. It's screwed up. And then they come to you and it's like, well, if you came to what, and then it's going to cost X, Y, Z. So now they they're paying for you plus the two grand they already wasted. So again, it's, you got to build on that foundation. You got to have, you know, it's good to work. With somebody who's a specialist from the start, again, you know, even though say to work with you and your expertise may be a little more costly, but if they came to you first, right, it's that they would have just paid for you versus the other place plus you. Yeah,
1: no, and it's, I mean, it's it's the same that goes with any other you know aspect of this of this industry. It's highly specialized. It's highly regulated. Um, You probably should know somebody who knows what they're doing when it goes comes down to architecture when it comes down to accounting when it comes down to insurance when it comes down to legal you know it's very it's a very specialized area where you know if you don't know the whole book you got a problem type type of thing so it's uh you know i we commonly are fixing issues just whether they're caused by whether they're caused by an attorney or or the person themselves or the state liquor control board just doing something that doesn't make sense because that's what i'm dealing with right now um you know something that's clearly a law that they're saying is not permitted now for no reason um <laughs> but it's it yeah it's, it things aren't reported correctly sometimes to them so they don't have much to go off of but it's like it, there's a constant you know there's a lot of misinformation out there too and it it's not impossible. I mean, you can certainly do it yourself. We have plenty of people that do it. Usually, sure. we get involved with those people at some point, at a later date, whether it's you know advising them on the, the rules or you know operating operating rules are more complicated than setting up rules. So that's that's the that's a lot of what we do as well. Cool. Um, yeah. No, you're right. It's it's uh, not impossible, but definitely definitely helps to have help. And some people don't want to mess with it at all. They just say, here, take it, do it, and yeah, it done for a couple months. Yeah. So they
0: do it. All right, so what's next? Do we apply for a TTP Brewer's Notice?
1: Yeah, I used to apply apply for those as fast as possible because they took a while, but now they're cracking them out in like two or three weeks, four weeks.
0: Is that a combination of like added employees or is that um, just they are more familiar with the paperwork now?
1: Um, No, they're just, they work through their backlog from the government shutdown and whatever that was a year and a half ago, that got, that was bad and they got backed up pretty. That was terrible. Pretty heavily. (laughs) Yeah, they were completely shut down. That was horrible. Um but they worked their way out of that. They're they're they were remote. So during the beginning of coronavirus, you know, they're they are remote, so it wasn't an issue for them to keep working. Um uh, they're not all remote, but the reviewers, a lot of them are. Um and uh you know, compared to the state governments that got backlogged throughout the entire process, they kept churning and I'm sure their filings went down. So I think those more that you know filings went down a little bit, plus they had, you know, they were still working, no, no, no change at all. But the LCB is still, you know, furloughed people and still operating behind, extremely behind. But they they brought more people on remotely now, but it's they're extremely backed up. So that's usually I now start quickly as far as fast as I can with the LCB to get the process moving, as opposed to the um, uh, federal government. And every state's so different. It's it's really I've you know, we're part of a national um, organization of attorneys that do this stuff. And they report, it was a report in the middle of COVID talking about how, you know, how their states were operating on their licensing approvals and stuff like that. And some states were faster than ever. And some states were like us, they're way behind or not doing anything. So it's all all over the board for sure.
0: What all do we need to know? Right. I mean, we're going to fill out this paperwork. We're going to, what are common hangups on it? Um, Do they give it to you? You send it in? Do they send it directly in? What do you do?
1: yeah for the, no, so for the TTB um, everything is an application it's not based there's no interviews there's no investigation it's all you know you submit this information a reviewer takes a look at it they, they review it get whatever corrected that's needed and it goes to the supervisor for approval um, the LCB alternatively is more basic application they have a full blown investigation into the property into the people they interview them they go out to the property which they're back doing again now since COVID start started. They were not, but now they're back. So they walk it, take pictures. Yeah, walk in, take pictures, do in-person interviews. Um, you know, collect the documents and whatnot. We usually gather all that, all information we need, all documentation we need um, in the beginning of the process. But you know, all the personal information on the business owners, you know, information about the business, the layout, the floor plan, the you know. How, it was, how it's being paid for, bank statements, loan documents, you know, deeds, leases, the whole the whole shebang, um, who's the corporate information, all that. That's needed for both applications. It's just they're used in different parts of it. So we can't file TTB until we have everything because it's required as part of the application. We can file the LCB and get that moving because um, we just need it for the investigation, period. So that's usually a couple of weeks later, so we have time to gather. But we try to do as much of it at once. We send out a nice, exhaustive, and they have like five-page-long checklist that we send out now um, to get out all this information, and we gather it. Our, our our licensing manager, paralegal, Robin Schultz, gathers everything. She's the she's the one that keeps us all moving in the right direction, and we get applications prepared um, and sent out, and then the process starts of the waiting game and getting the interviews done. But uh, you know, key information to not screw up on the TTB is that they it just, it's more about the setup of the place. Their, their concern is protecting the revenue, as they call it, so that the tax revenue is the products, the beer, the spirits, the wine, whatever it might be. Um, so there's setups that need to be done so you don't have public access to untaxed paid products or beer, wine or spirits. And then um, there's some other setup requirements that are written into the federal code. Um, and that's all got to be taken care of prior cause it's all an application. So there's a lot of setup. Um, they don't really get into too much of the other financial issues that the LCB worries about. They do ask where it comes from, but you know, they're not asking if you're uh, you can own a wholesaler and also own a manufacturer from the federal perspective, but you can't do that in Pennsylvania. So it's like, there's not as much cross tier ownership issues as long as it's the same company. So it's, it's a little different. Okay. So that the DTB doesn't have too much pre worry as much as just gathering of information and it's a lot i mean it's it's a long checklist and we need all the personal information we need to know your mother's maiden name and you know know. there's some states there's some states that require your entire family tree of names and and (laughs) it's ridiculous pull up your ancestry.com profile or yeah we we were working with georgia recently and they asked for um i think they asked for brothers names and uh, sibling names and addresses was (laughs) that And that's a certain out-of-state manufacturer uh-huh. coming to sell their products in, in the state of Georgia. So it's, every state's different. Some states are really fast. Some states just have ridiculous requirements. Okay, um,
0: We're talking like three weeks to six months to a year process, or I think that timeline. Yeah, some there. are
1: some are immediate. Some will turn cranking application approval out to you as long as you get met the requirements and okay. it's done. There's, it makes it frustrating. We have I mean, we have clients, but clients that distribute, especially, they have to get approved in some capacity in most states they go to. Some states require, you know, a, a full application that takes two months, three months. Some you just pay a fee and register your brands and you're selling two days later. It's hmm. it, it's a little complicated, but it's hard to follow all of them too. We use a lot of attorneys in other states to help us out with this kind of stuff sometimes.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, it's good to have a little network. So what are common hiccups in that situation? And then, you know, we'll go to approval and then what the next steps are there. But what are, do you see anything that's a, a common question or a common holdup or a, maybe a red flag in the financials or something else that could really delay this?
1: Yeah. I mean, the, the, from a state perspective, at least from a Pennsylvania perspective, I'll focus on, you know, it's the financials are usually the biggest issue we deal with, um, ownership okay. and financials. So, you know, how's it owned? Is that person owned a liquor license? Can they even own this business? um same goes for who's paying for it you know if you're getting a loan a private loan from a family member but that family member owns a beer distributor that's not good um they can't loan their manufacturer wholesale class they can't lend to a manufacturer class we're talking insider trading it's you know there's there's a reason these rules were there a lot of them are old and don't really matter anymore but all of our liquor code dates back to prohibition so it was
0: And unless those go to court, they're probably not going to get changed.
1: No, and the wholesale tier is very protected in Pennsylvania. There's a couple of really big ones that have no interest in any of this changing at all. That's why we, we actually have a state. Um, there, is a, there is a residency requirement you know, for beer distributors and wholesalers in Pennsylvania. It's got to be owned by 51% of a PA resident. Um, but every other residency restriction in Pennsylvania was invalidated by a Supreme Court opinion that said it was unconstitutional because it affected interstate commerce. Um, the state stopped enforcing it for everyone except for the beer wholesalers and distributors. And the only reason I can think of is because there's a lot of really big outside-of-the-state beer wholesalers and distributors that they don't want stomping on their door here. All right. Because if, if you look at the wholesale tier, there is a lot of um, operators in that area that have you know 25 states that they work in or, or they're a big conglomerate of you know, distributors. Um which can be good or it can be bad depending on, you know, where you are in the, in the industry. Um, and then how craft heavy they are. If you're a craft brewery or, you know, it looks a lot of them are, you know, they make their money selling the big beer brands. It just is what it is. Um, but yeah, that's, that's, that's why those rules are, I think, still remaining, but it's uh, a yeah. uh, kind of interesting thing, but yeah, from generally from a brewery's perspective, ownership, um, and, uh, where the money's coming from are the biggest issues we deal with. If it's coming from a bank and we got bank docs and loan documents, whatever it might be, you know, that's pretty fairly straightforward. Um, but you know, people are putting personal money in; they want to know where that came from. They want to see those bank statements. They want to see, you know, how'd you make that money? If it's, you know, if they see big deposits going in, they're going to say, where'd that come from? And they want to see six months of statements. So it's like anything that's got a large deposit within six months, they're going to ask questions or, you know, and then it traces back, so it can keep going, keep going. People try to hide that stuff sometimes, and it's not hard to find. And the state will always keep digging, so that's not something that we like to see. But you know, usually if it's loan money. If it's a real bank, it's not a problem. But when it's private, private investors, they gotta get interviewed too. Um, they have to share their money. So a good thing to remember if you have investors or um, you know private lenders that are gonna be part of this for investing perspective. Um, or any sort of lending perspective into the business, they will need to be interviewed if they're PA residents. But more importantly, the state will want to see where their money came from. So that's something we always try to, if we're dealing with someone doing fundraising, that's always included in all the disclosures that you will cooperate, comply, whatever might yeah, be. Yeah, as i say, saying, they probably do, you know, a lot of times they want to be a little,
0: I don't want to keep it private, I
1: guess, right? I mean, people—it's it's, People don't want to show their finances. No one does. I mean, I, I don't. Nobody, I mean, nobody wants to show that, especially if it's something that, you know you're just investing in and you know it's you don't even want your company you're investing in to see it and their their attorney's not going to be handling it so we, we commonly will connect connect people with the investigators and say hey can you talk to them they don't want to give us anything it, it just has to be that way which is fine as long as they'll comply sometimes people just won't do it and it becomes a big issue but same thing goes for landlords we have to disclose who owns them which can be a major problem um, in various capacities who owns who owns what and the large real estate trust you know they're hard to hard to get the ownership of because you know thousands of people that own them and um you know the sometimes the sometimes it's not as clear-cut as you know a family ownership of a real estate it's very detailed and the state kind of treats everybody the same so you know whether you're large national trust that owns everything or a you know family partnership that owns real estate they want to know everybody (laughs) so it's like sometimes we have to tell them like that's ridiculous you're not gonna (laughs) yeah
0: knock it off or we'll never get anywhere
1: shit but and this i think that's it's been said from a legislative end too like i mean it's like we're scaring business away because you know king of freshers owned by a REIT. you know they don't they they know they have to disclose stuff but they don't want to disclose everything they'll give you their board directors and you know all that's all the public information that's out there but because they are publicly traded most likely but it's you know they don't like to disclose everything, and that's understandable. I mean, I, yeah, just being an investor shouldn't obligate you to have your whole world put out there for a state to look at. So that's usually yeah. one of the biggest issues the landlord ownership, the any disclosures we have to make about funding or ownership wise of anything. But that can all be planned around. That's why yeah. we you know, kind of advocate getting us involved as soon as possible
0: so what happens if uh you know our brewers uh bond our application not the bond i'll talk about the bonds but the uh, application is approved now what and what's the next step do we start getting permits start getting the builders in there? architects
1: yeah i mean we don't we're not required to wait um to do any licensing for building permits you know the lcb will talk to your township zoning to see if you've been approved to do it they won't they won't deny for that reason but they will uh will ask which usually signals some townships sometimes to give you a call and say hey we didn't know you were doing this yeah it's which is is kind of ridiculous because you could still be going through that process you might not want to open for another year but you're just you know getting licensing in order um but yeah once you're approved you know if you're ready to operate they'll come out and do a final investigation to make sure everything was built the way it was supposed to be um and uh you know you can pretty much start operating at that point if you're not built uh, everything was done under what we call prior approval, which is just that you're, they're approving your plans. They're approving you as an owner. Um, and then they'll give you a set time to come out and schedule that final investigation. Usually it's the letters will say six months. You can get extensions, um, but they'd like you to be operating within like a year or so after, after being approved to be operating. So it's, you know, they understand there's issues, whether it's, you know, permitting or environmental or whatever might happen, stuff comes up, um, so that's that's kind of the next step, and you know whether you're ready to operate or not, you get that final investigation, then you get the license, you know, temporary letter, authority letter, and then eventually you get your very fancy, you know, paper size license that you put in the nice little plaque and hang on the wall. <laughs> very not very ceremonial but
0: (laughs) yeah yeah put your first dollar in the frame put it right next to it on the wall
1: yeah right there and then there's health i mean there's all the health permitting and you know i don't we don't get too involved with a lot of that stuff for our clients because it's something that they need to know and they need to know the rules and usually that process is much more informative than you know just getting a liquor license they're not telling you about rules when we're doing that it's it's uh they need to know know, how many sinks they got to have and all that stuff that's i can tell them what the rules are but it's best for we find that's best for our clients to learn that same with some of the fda you know, if you're a brewery, you may have to register with FDA, or the, um, you do have to register with state department of agriculture. Uh, it's like a $35 annual permit just to be a food processor. Um, technically, all that should be done before you produce, um, if you're required to do it. But yeah, so generally, it's you know, you can be you can be good to go right away if you have all that stuff in line. You don't have to wait for the approval. Um, uh, and everybody's different. We have clients that are ready to go as soon as possible. There's ones that, you know, a lot, and I'd say 90% of the ones that want to be open sooner than they can be for other reasons and licensing. It's just, that, you know, people get anxious and want to get open. I'm sure you see that a lot. Absolutely.
0: Yeah, because they're spending money. You know, that's the best thing. It's like, all right, you guys have been spending all this money and all this time. Now it's time to build the brewery, you know, and then they spend all that time building it. And then it's like, all right, we're ready to go. We spent all this money, right? All the money's going out now let's get some people in here and have the money come back in, you know, and, and fulfill our dreams.
1: Yeah. And that's why we always tell people to hold off on your grand opening plans, at least until you have your permits and all your approvals. Cause it can be, I mean, like with all this right now, I have clients asking me how long it takes to get something done or how, long, how much longer, how much longer is it going to take? And I'm like, I feel bad. I, I know it's taking longer than it should be, but I can't, I, we have no control over it. It's just, there's the lack of bodies at the LCB reviewing stuff and, you know, they've gotten better. they've got, It's gotten faster, but at the same time, it's, you know, once it gets out of our hands where we all we can do is ask questions and then we don't want to try not to make them angry and you know, delay on looking at something, or something yeah. which I'm sure doesn't happen. We don't want to, you know, even give it the chance. So it's, you know, unfortunately stuff is taking long, but it's always, we try to be honest with clients. You know, it's, I would always tell you two to three months from applying to get approvals, which all things considered, most people that do it themselves say it takes, you know, six to 10 months. So, you know, we say we pay for ourselves in the speed of getting open and getting you going, but absolutely. Um, right now, it could be I would say three to six months. You know, because it's not. It could be faster. It could be more likely going to be in that th- three to six month range. So,
0: okay. And what's the typical? What's a typical cost? Um, you know, your fees are not, but like typical cost of you know these applications.
1: Uh, state filing fees are usually about two thousand dollars for a brewery. Um, federal's free. So from a federal perspective, there is no application fees. Um, you know, uh, we, uh, uh, our fees vary greatly by the project. It's, you know, sure. one one investor brewery in a garage is going to cost one thing and a 50 investor brewery, that's a 1, thousand, hundred thousand square feet. You know, yeah. that's going to be a whole other story. Sure. um how far do we have to drive to get there is there going to be an in-person investigation with the lcb so it really varies but we're always up front with people beforehand if they want to move forward with us um you know we, we just take a retainer for initial fees and the filing fee application cost, and go from there sure um and usually try to build people at the end but then the quote that we gave them is the the goal but they, um uh, it, it really does vary I and mean, every project so different you know you could think one simple and then you know the person's got a huge tax liability that we have to resolve to even get this going. And, you know, we've got got to get our tax attorneys involved and stuff like that. Everything goes differently. And it's, you know, some of the ones that seem complicated are easy. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) It never, never seems to amaze me. The ones we can get done quick and easy and the ones that take forever for some reason.
0: Yeah. Well, I've been, again, it's 2020 now. I've been doing this since 2014, I believe, you know, focusing on the brewery and just craft beverage in general. Um, And what I have seen, you know, through 150 breweries, you know, that have opened, uh, what I've seen basically is, and what I tell them is, Hey, it's going to cost more than you think, you know, just I'm talking like build out, you know, uh, we're just beating open, right. Start to finish, start to getting open is it's going to take longer. It's going to take a lot longer than you think it's going to cost more than you think. And just, you know, a lot of these folks yeah. will tell me, well, it's going to do this and it's going to be this. And I'm saying, here, going, I've seen it, man. It's, it's going to take longer. It's going to cost more. Uh, another thing, let me, this is kind of part of the, opening process to, um, the bonds. So, you know, a few years ago, there were some changes to the TTB bond. I mean, in, in 2016, you needed a TTB bond and you needed a state bond. Uh, since then, I think it was January 1st of like 2018, they changed the TTB requirements where, you know, if you, yeah, based on 50,000 in excise tax, you know, 8,700 barrels brewed a year, you would need a TTB license. Um, or a TTB bond. And, you know, since then they've scaled that back. Like if you're not going to do 50,000 excise tax, then you don't need that bond. So 8,700 barrels or less, you don't need it. You can skip it. Um, You know, then you need a state bond and some States have multiple bonds like West Virginia, Uh, but Pennsylvania, New Jersey, right. You get a brewer's bond. It's, you know, say a $5,000 face amount. It costs you about a hundred bucks a year. And, uh, you know, the point of these bonds, the surety bonds, is really to provide protection to the state, the public, individual consumers, um, usually sales tax bonds, again, and they guarantee that the manufacturers and sellers of alcoholic beverages will pay their taxes. Um, so it's kind of like a financial guarantee for you folks out there. You know, every state's got a different uh, face amount. But again, it's usually about 100 bucks a year. You know, you can get a three-year bond for $250. Uh, but, you know, what the rule of thumb is with that is that you get that completed no later than the date that's on your brewery notice application. Um, you, you should, you know, give it to your attorney and have them send them in together. They've become, as you mentioned, you know, a little more lenient on some of these things. So, you know, I haven't seen too many requirements where they're saying, "Hey, this has to be dated the same." I know that they originally were very uh, strict on that. They need to have the same date, they've got to be close. You got to send it in with the app, and that that's changed a little bit. But bonds are something that, you know, again, you see a five thousand dollar face amount. A lot of people will think it's $5,000 out of their pocket or that they, you know, you can actually send $5,000 in for the state to hold, uh, but you don't really have to. So, you know, come to us and we'll do the bond say a hundred bucks a year. Right. And you just thought you're going to spend five grand. So we already saved you 4,900 bucks there. I get that conversation all the time. You
1: tell me like, how much is it? I was like five grand. they are like, Oh my God. I'm like, no, nah, it's like 200 bucks. <laughs> yeah.
0: It's yeah. The face <laughs> amount, right. It's like buying life insurance. You get a million dollar life insurance policy. It doesn't cost you a million dollars. Right. So you get a lot of hang up. People screw those up very easily. They have to have the right address on it and they have to have the exact business name. It's easy to do. We do them all the time, but those are another, you know, just a little nuance that can hold things up and and that, you know, agents who are not in the business and they try to work on the bond, they don't know what they're doing. And then again, that's another holdup. So yeah, man, that's what we got. What else? Any other advice that you would say? Is there somebody like in my state, in my township that I want to become, if I'm an aspiring brewery owner, distillery owner, is there anybody I want to become like friends with that can help me out, you know, uh, help me along, maybe speed things up or get you in the right hands?
1: Yeah. I mean, I, we get a lot of referrals from, um, different industry members, whether it's, you know, I, I always say. If there's something, if you're new to this, you know, you're not coming from a background of being in the brewing industry, maybe you want to invest in a business or something like that, you know, get get an industry consultant or somebody that's involved in the business to to really, you know, help you along with that step of the process. You I know, mean, we have plenty of, we have, yeah, it's a great industry with brewer collaboration and, you know, everybody's, everybody's willing to lend a hand, everybody's, you know, i I've, I know instances exist, but I rarely ever see competition get in the way of, you know, kind of a little bit of a camaraderie and, and uh, you know, help. But, um, uh, you know, I always reach out to people. I know what they're talking about, know what the equipment to buy, what the best equipment is, you know. Anything that come down to like, hey, don't buy a brewery there. The water's bad. You know, you're going to have to put a couple hundred thousand dollar reverse osmosis water system in this town. You, know, you never know who's going to be able to talk to you about these things. But, you know, you want to be friendly with your township zoning don't make them mad. I mean, they're the ones that are going to tell you if you can do it or not, ultimately. Um, You know, they're, they have a lot more leeway in what they need to approve or can give you hassle for or not than any, about anybody else. Same thing with, you know, township zoning code, code enforcement, building code enforcement, whatever it might be. You know, they're, first and foremost, they, they will make or break your project if you're going somewhere. Um, you know, they're, can be excited. Some towns like them. Some towns hate breweries. It is, it is what it is. You know, I've yep. got municipalities that require you to have a five-acre property, which is just absurd, especially in the municipality, the township that it is. <laughs> cause it's very expensive. Yeah, it's hard. Also, hard to find. <laughs> it, yeah, that's yeah, exactly. It's it's an retainment issue as opposed to a they lumped breweries in with wineries and their huge, massive vineyards and having Extra. festivals and stuff like that. So it was just a bad drafting of an intentionally bad drafting of a uh, new zoning ordinance, but um hopefully they're listening yeah because it was it it wasn't good but uh yeah no townships are usually you want to be best friends with them you know you don't want to you want to be a partner with them not a not an agitator because that's never good um
0: what's better when it comes to poking the beard is it you know should the brewery owner be calling or is it something that you know you should call on their behalf or is patience kind of virtue in this situation
1: uh, you know, it's, it's, it's something that can be anybody you know, any, you know, I, they, they don't need to hear from me um, or anything like that, but, you know, you do want to articulate exactly what you're thinking. You don't want to, you know, say something you're not doing to give them the wrong idea or vice versa. Um, you know, I, I have people that they want, they have to have us handle, you know, pretty much all processes in the beginning. And some people, a lot of people have that done already. Um, you know, there's people that I'm a real estate attorney too. Most people have no idea that i do anything other than filing liquor license applications so it's you know yeah it's it's uh
0: thought you were a one-trick pony Matt.
1: yeah no i'm I'm diversified i'm ready to go um (laughs) no but it's it's uh i also have a lot of people i work with that can handle stuff all that stuff so it's it's i forget what the question even was at this point (laughs) but it was uh
0: it was about poking the bear right so like i've seen and the reason i asked that is because i've seen you know, brewery owners, distillery owners who keep calling, right? They keep calling like the, the local, you know, the PLCB or the ABC in New Jersey. And I think sometimes like they piss people off and they then their file gets put on the bottom of the pile.
1: Yeah, no, that's, that's certainly something I you think know, we touched on that a little bit earlier with, you know, delays due to COVID and, you know, our clients being anxious and wanting stuff getting done. Same time, you know, we don't, ever try to push too hard and unless it's necessary and we will obviously advocate heavily on behalf of our clients if it's needed um, and we've done a lot of that we've gotten state senators involved in things you know there's sometimes you just have to something's not right that's happening and and you know it's not not that it's you know usually a rule being applied the wrong way um, you know against its intent or something like that but sometimes they can just get hung up on stuff like that so it's you know it's good to have people in your corner that can you know try to articulate the exact reason why it's wrong but also kind of do it in a tempered manner because people get frustrated i mean it is right. you get close to the finish line and here comes back you know a big issue or something like that which yeah. is never something you want to deal with but you know from the local from any you know state and or township perspective they don't they have busy you know they have a thousand of these people trying to open businesses or depending where you are, you know, everybody's different. Some townships don't have full staff every day of the week. You know, it's you don't know who you're dealing with. It's it's nice to kind of keep a good rapport with everybody involved in the process that's going to be, you know, we're in charge of letting you do what you want to do, obviously. But yeah, you know, we do have I mean, we have people it's we have our own clients that call us, you know, incessantly trying to figure out what's going on. And you know, it is what it is. But it's yeah. just how some people are they want to know, which is fine. You know, I get it yeah I, it's just it, 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 sometimes it, it, it's hard to wait for no matter how long you tell people it'll take it's always hard to wait and I get it I mean it's especially if you're ready to go that's that's the worst ones they're ready to operate and you still don't have a license for them and it's not anybody's fault it's just taking a while or maybe we got started late or something like that but right yeah no it's never never good to be annoying <laughs> for anybody I mean, especially if you're especially if you need something done by that person um, exactly but, uh, so yeah and no, that's definitely a fine line people have to walk
0: something i've seen so i wanted to mention it you know don't poke the bear or poke, poke the
1: bear kindly yeah it's true i mean we you know we try to we keep a good you know, we have obviously our moments with the state and stuff like that but we do try to keep a good rapport with generally but we are not shy against stating our displeasure if needed you know if something that's going the wrong way or not supposed to be happening or something like that but um you know we have very good relationships with the charging people in charge of the control board and stuff like that, that we can reach out to and say, Hey, you know, this isn't right. You know, you're doing this incorrectly, or if that doesn't work, then you I know, get the get you know, their bosses involved, the state legislators and stuff like that. So that's Yeah, you know, they're the, the LCB is kind of a you know, and most ABCs, whatever it might be, are very you know, this is a rule, this is how we apply it, no exceptions. Um, some are better than others, but you know, sometimes I think it takes the maybe their local representatives who have a, have a, you know, little compassion and say, okay, you know, that's ridiculous. That rule is being applied incorrectly to that business, that owner, whoever it might be, for whatever the reason. We all sorts of crazy deficiencies, they call them, issues that come up like you can't own this because of that job that you had that one time, two years ago. It's like, okay. (laughs) (laughs) That's so dumb. And it's usually a situation where it's something that's like, you know, we're trying to further diversity or inclusion in the industry, and it's like anti that. You know, it's not it's not because of that, but it's like this person would have helped that. And it's like, come on, this is not the battle we want to be picking right now. And you don't want to go that route to get things done because it's you know you don't want to use any of that kind of stuff for a for a uh, you know, reason to get something done. But it's it's it, it's just stupid rules again the way of things all the time. And it's you know sometimes it's best to just have someone that has their ear that can be like, hey, you know, this is this is the real story behind it. Cause they don't want to hear that from me. They never, that's not going to make their mind up. The rules are the rules and, you know, and things get reported incorrectly to them from the investigators sometimes, which is not, you know, not their fault. They might've heard it wrong or especially with these phone interviews we've been doing, it's hard to catch everything. So it's, you know, we don't get to see that before it goes. So it's kind of like a waiting game and yeah, everybody we got yeah, Humans reviewing everything. So everybody's different. Everybody thinks the rule is different. The rules change very fast <laughs> the way they the way they've changed the way they rule on them changes very fast and it, with, especially with the grocery store stuff over the year that's changed like yeah. six different times how they like to set those up so it's you know it's really uh i think even in one year they changed the actual review and approval process like four or five different times whether yeah. it had to go to a hearing or not go to a hearing or then it was a hearing and then we learned from the investigators usually during the process because they, they would get emails like the monday before or something like that so it's Jeez. It makes it tough to advise people sometimes, but you know, it's always fun. It keeps you on your toes.
0: I thought, yeah. I mean, it's it's you know, you always got something to learn and continue learning and continue. Uh, the only constant is change, right? So just got to Some adapt. People
1: in the industry are creative. I mean, we're always dealing with how can I do this. Hey, can I go and try and make this beer? Can I go set up my brewery at this business? Can I you know partner with a restaurant? Can I partner with a farmers market? Can I partner with a record store. I mean, I've seen all I've had all sorts of crazy, you know, anything that people might want to drink a beer at, <laughs> Yeah, they're uh, they're all over the place. I mean there's there's a uh, especially if it's business with a property. I mean if they got property, especially right now, breweries are loving it. You know, you can get in there, get some tables outside and then Yeah. Enjoy enjoy that. Enjoy the outside space. I like that. I mean I'm good with that. I wish it was summertime year round right now so we could deal with that. But a little little see what happens in the wintertime coming up here. It's gonna be Hopefully, we get some indoor restrictions back.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. I'm with you, man. Yeah, if we can open up to like 50% occupancy, that'd be that'd be nice.
1: That would but be great. I'm not sure. I'm not sure that'll happen anytime soon, but I did see before we hopped on here that our, our state numbers have been falling and our hospitalizations are down like 25% so, in two weeks. So that's fairly substantial. That's awesome. the number that needs to go down is the hospitalizations. Yeah. But there's no, my problem right now is there's just no clear path forward. You know, nobody has an idea of what, you know, what the next step is, what's, what is, uh, for as much as I did like, not like it, the green, yellow, red had a process, that, well, an alleged process that we were supposed to be following and, and yep. do that. It wasn't applied <laughs> fairly always evenly, but um, I I, just, I feel bad for the, you know, the businesses mostly and the small businesses and brewers of Pennsylvania members and all this stuff of, you know, it's everybody's, you yeah, know persevering as much as they can some people more so than others and that's no one's fault it's not that they weren't nobody can prepare for this kind of stuff so i just hope it gets back to some sort of better position than it is currently because it's tough especially when we have to go inside because it it's getting a little cool outside yep good
0: stuff all right cool so you know besides choosing an attorney who knows what the hell they're doing and has done this before uh, Could you give us like three just key takeaways from this whole conversation here? The three kind of most important tips?
1: I mean, number one, number one is always planning properly. And that, that will always ring true, you know, whether you use an attorney, whether you do it yourself or not, there is a way that you have to set this up in very different steps, you know, whether it's the real estate side of it, whether it's the actual planning and design of your space, whether it's the production or who can own the place, it's all a planned process that needs to meet the rules to get approved. You yeah. know, if you want to get approved quickly, that's all got to be perfect when it goes in because you don't want to be pushed. You don't, you don't want a 30 day delay because you had a correction from the TTP or because you had the LCB issue a deficiency letter and they can't reschedule an investigation for another four weeks. So it's, you know, we try to avoid that. It's tough. I mean, it's really tough to gather everything and not know what the reviewers are going to, you know, ask if some, you know, and they change the policy on something maybe what they're asking about or, or how they review something. So it's, you know, you're not always, you can't always be perfect with it, but that's always number one. Um, number two, I would say would be, um, you know, get with good people in the, in the industry that'll, you know, yeah, from a, from, from our perspective of what we do, you know, we we're here for the long haul. We, you know, our motto is we might cost a little bit of money now, but that'll pay off in the long run. Um, you know, we're, we, we work with a lot of breweries, we work a lot of insurance, maybe look with different vendors like insurance vendors or, you know, t-shirts to, you know, you name it, grain, whatever, like accountants, whoever it is, you know, it's good to meet the good, it's good to meet people that are work with people that know, you know, you call me, I can get you, you know, whether you got to connect, are you, are you having a production shortage? You need a contract brewer? Call me. I have five of them that can work for you. Like it's meeting the right people, um, which I think we've, we've at least established. I know you're very in line with a lot of people as well. I've like established a, a network, you know, that, you know, I can, I can feel comfortably, you know, um, you know recommend a client to somebody knowing that they'll get the job done yep and uh you know that's number number two would be just yeah getting out there meeting the right people come to the brewers of pennsylvania events like that's yeah. i i still learn things at those events when it's in regard to the brewing process
0: yeah join a guild get involved in the associations you know meet meet people in the industry
1: that, yeah that would be that'd be number two I and mean, then a lot of people do that in advance or they're already in the industry whatever it might be but you know it's that's invaluable. You know, there's people always willing to lend a hand or give advice. You know, there's a lot of great, um, you know, former brewers or whoever might be operating as consultants, you know, that'll help you source gear and equipment and, you know, develop recipes and all that stuff. Um, You know, And it's like, and I guess number three would be whether it's you making it or someone you hire, make sure you make good liquid. That is ultimately number one. So I, hashtag good liquid. There's a lot of good uh, in their head brewers out there that maybe shouldn't spend all the money um, opening a brewery. But you know, everybody's got their dream, so I'm not gonna hear, not gonna be here to tell someone not to do it. But you know, we 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 can generally get a sense of people we consult with initially of what the how they're gonna be. You know, what's kind of what kind of you know business are they gonna operate? How it's gonna run? So it's um it's good to. If you don't know the industry, hire a brewer that knows what they're doing. That's well-respected. That's, you know, you don't need to hire the top, top person, um, but go get somebody that's been around the block, worked at a, worked at a brewery or two, you know, knows the whole process. If you, know, you, you don't got, if you don't have good beer, that's a very fickle fan base out there. So they, you know, I've just got to join the breweries in Pennsylvania. Um, there's a shout out for them. I'm sure they're going to listen to this, but there's a, uh, they, they have that uh, Facebook group, a very passionate fan base in there. And, yep. They don't like bad beer. I've, I've noticed that.
0: Because there's good beer around the
1: corner, man. You don't, you don't, you don't want to be known as that brewery. It's not a good reputation to kick.
0: So. There's a lot of good beer out there. so.
1: Yeah, it's a lot of, it's, comp- it's comp- competitive. I mean, you got to be... It's a competitive uh, industry with very supporting of itself at the same time. I mean, you got to... Yep. You got uh, to be able to make good products to to do well um, and be able to pivot. I mean, as we said, we were talking a little before this. I don't even know if this was on the video, but, you know, the breweries that had record or had a canning lines or production or um, packaging lines or, you know, the ability to package, whether it was from contract or something like that, or already was distributing or shipping yep. or, uh, you know, doing to go, which I'm happy to see everybody starting to do to go. It's always been a yep. privilege of theirs as we talked about last time, I think, but the, um, you know, be ready to pivot. This industry is, you know, <laughs> especially now, now that we know what could happen, if something like this comes up, you know, be ready. And there's not, not much anybody could do to prepare for this other than, have a plan and no one really did, but some were just already positioned to, to be yeah. active and, and be creative. I mean, we've had yeah. a lot of people with creative, our creative ideas. We got breweries offering tailgates in their parking lots to let people do to go, you know, take out. And it's different. There's different ways to, to uh, keep going with it. And it's been impressive to see. I mean, just we were talking with cilleries a little bit, just the hand sanitizer thing was just, that was impressive. I mean, the whole industry got behind it and some did very well with it. I don't think a lot of them did okay with it, no matter what. But some did uh-huh. exceptionally well with it to the point where it's now going to be a permanent part of their business. So it's like you know, it's yeah, it's amazing that yeah, you know, some people there's there were silver linings in, in this for for a couple aspects of it. But
0: well, if I'm hearing you correctly, I mean these, I think our conversation can be summed up in two of my favorite quotes. Um, one is <laughs> this is it could be their. Alan Lakin, it could be Winston Churchill or Ben Franklin. I don't know. But basically, failing to plan is planning to fail. And then in terms of getting your paperwork and your shit together, uh, Abraham Lincoln said, you know, hey, if I had six hours to chop down a tree, spend the first four sharpening your axe, right? Do all the research, get with the right people, and then spend the last two hours with a sharp axe chopping that tree down and making good liquid." So
1: you, man, thank you, Matt. Um, yeah. Let me, let me be the sharp axe. I will be your
0: Exactly. Let us be the sharp axe. Let us do the heavy lifting. You get your stuff together, get open. Let's make some good beer. Again, you spent all this money getting open. Let's start to bring beer in, or bring money in.
1: And I know I speak for you as, as, a, as well as myself, that nothing's better than seeing someone who helped get open, succeed and do well and grow and, you
0: know, and see all. a, you know, going from a dirt floor to a packed Ask to elbows tasting room, right? I mean, that's that's the coolest thing.
1: I, I I look forward to the day where we can see a tasting room like that again. That'd Absolutely. Times and you know, I've there's a lot of cool projects going on in the state right now. Um, a lot of good breweries out there to support. So whether it's you know getting some shipping delivered to your door, going to pick up to go, or you know whatever service they can do for you on premises, get out there and support. Same with the distilleries. You know, distilleries are all doing a lot of shipping. Um, I think that's going very well for a couple of them um uh, so you know get out and support people especially while we can with the nice weather outside and and yep. uh, throughout the fall nobody's got college football to watch because nobody out, up here supports the sec so we're not gonna be watching that um <laughs> <laughs> man my penn state hat on no i <laughs> so, need some facts checking on that yeah no it's i'm sure that's completely wrong but uh yeah no get out and support everybody and i'm sure we'll keep doing that and getting deliveries i like the delivery thing i think that's a neat neat little uh yeah, it's beautiful little ad for people. I hope it continues.
0: Yeah. So, so to that point, and uh, probably the most important question here is Matt. What's in your fridge, man? Oh, uh, there's so much stuff that's been there. That's short run out of you go to
1: store right up. Um, but right now, I actually have I'm talking beer. But I have a bunch of two robbers hard seltzer. Shout out to big shout to robbers. Um, uh, I had some winding path beer, formerly of Windridge farm uh the other day the new ipa they put out really good uh, i've had some new trail like a lot of other people in pennsylvania uh, uh what did i have I had, a, I had a nimble giant the other day always nice. a crowd favorite um i can't think whatever's on the pennsylvania racket wegmans usually gets my purchase if i'm if i'm there or uh whatever local beers not too many breweries in my area can that's my only problem i need to get hmm. I need to get some more of them the that
0: lost stuff. tavern going
1: yeah, well, they sell out so fast. I mean, I can't hate them for that, but <laughs> it's not, be quicker, not a bad man. thing. Not a bad thing. Making good beer. No, that's, I mean that's the thing. I it's there's uh, that's the way to test a real following of a brewery, seeing how fast their canning lines are so or candy runs are selling out now. And there's we got a new one coming downtown, um, the Call Collective there. Yep, they just released some beer with brew daddies in downtown. Yep. They uh, they sold out of it in like a day and a half. So yeah, it's a great start. <laughs> yeah, it's a good good uh good yeah start. they
0: have their good. they have their grand opening coming up here
1: oh yeah i'm yep yeah, i'm gonna be away for that unfortunately but <laughs> you know we'll get out to support these guys now the uh the uh the beer the beer quality in pennsylvania is is very is a the very well, good point right now i will say i think we're doing a good job so absolutely Cool. That that is not us doing that, though. That's the people that actually are artists in the form (laughs) of making the products.
0: (laughs) Absolutely, man. Cool, man. Well, hey, I appreciate you. Thank you, as always. Um, Good luck. Best of luck. You have a baby on the way in November, a little baby boy. So I'm excited for that. And uh, hey, you demand. man. Thank you.
1: Not a problem. Thank you very much.
0: All right. Cheers. Cheers. All right. That'll do it for today's episode. Thanks for listening. I hope you find this valuable. Please follow on Spotify or subscribe on Apple. And while you're at Apple, please go ahead and give us a five-star rating. It helps us get noticed among the craft beverage community there. Thank you. Cheers and beer mighty things.